And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, joined today by Bridget Pruel. Bridget, this is your first time on Bruins Beat. Welcome. I know, but I mean, it feels like it's long overdue. I mean, we went to the same college. We we covered the Bruins for a while together. Uh, so I'm glad you finally got me on here, Evan. <laughs> it is a long time coming. It 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 too long. I agree. You should have been on earlier. That's on me. Uh, you're you. The big thing is the big connection is UMass, right? Like that's that should be the. You should have been on like the first episode. I there's a chance you might be the first UMass other UMass alum on this show. I don't know if we've ever had any other UMass people on. Steve Buckley's the only one I that off the top of my yep. head. It's a UMass yeah. guy, but yeah. I'm glad that. Two UMass alums can catch up on the Bruins. Thank yeah, God. you need me so that you outnumber Connor Ryan. Um, and <laughs> I need you to come back to the ninth floor so that I'm not outnumbered by all the BU people. Well, that's the <laughs> thing. They're everywhere. And I try to get back there as much as I can. Uh, but I, I agree. Like, it is just, it's like Boston University. It's like a BU alumni event uh, on the yeah. ninth floor. And it yeah. just needs to change. I agree with you. It needs. Scott, Scott McLaughlin, Connor Ryan. Bell Fraser. Yeah. There's like five, I swear. I think James Garrison does some stuff there too. He's BU. Um, There's others that I'm definitely, there's others I'm probably blanking on. Like, did Fluto go to BU? I actually don't know where Fluto went, but. I forget where Fluto went, but I, anyways, a lot of BU people and, and, uh, you know, needs to be more UMass folks, but UMass is churning them out. There's a lot, you know, your, your year. Um, the time I was there, they turned out, you know, Molly Walker's off doing some great stuff with the yeah. post and, yeah. um, Alex know, got, Francisco works with the Patriots now. Absolutely. You got Steve Hewitt too. Like there's a lot out there and there's mm-hmm. more to come. I, I always keep tabs on the, the, uh, the collegian and everything. I keep tabs on who's coming down the pipeline and, and yeah. what to look forward to. Um, anyways, uh, before we get into some brewing stuff, you just started as one of the voices of PWHL Boston's team. Uh, first of all, congratulations. Thank Second of you. all, and you've been doing great. I watched the first broadcast. I watched it after the fact. I texted no. you and I was like, I, I missed <laughs> the game in person. Where can I watch this? I would like I to see I think I it. gave you a hard time. I was like, you didn't watch? <laughs> it was like, it was like, a, like I don't know. It's like 1130 or 12 at night and I was trying to crank out an article and I'm like, you really giving me I shit was, over this? Like, I, I, I come on. Just, I was just kidding. It I know, I know. a long day for sure. That was an insane first broadcast for them and it was easily the biggest audience that i've done a broadcast in front of um like in because it was on nasa but it was also broadcast on tsn in canada and sportsnet and we had a huge like huge ratings from canada so there was like two million people from canada that watched i was like that's a lot (laughs) that is that's a ton a little bit of extra pressure you're like you're like i hope these people don't realize i cover the bruins and they're like maple leafs fans like i'm gonna get so much crap i'm uh, I'm hoping that they're like she is a good canadian (laughs) yes (laughs) exactly um but it was it was awesome and i saw on youtube it had like even that night it had like 170,000 views and it had been up for I don't know, an hour or two. Like, I, oh my God. Yeah. So um, congratulations on that. I'm very excited to continue to watch and to to listen to you narrate and offer observations during the games. It should be, uh, it should be great. It's a, um, yeah, it's, it's, it feels like a nice um, step forward uh, with my career in broadcasting. So I'm happy. And I'm happy that I'm like, obviously I'd, I'd love to do all the games, but I just do the home games, which lets me keep my job covering the Bruins. So I'm still able to keep my other jobs with it, which is great. 
Yeah, and also the other thing is like your play by play is your thing. Because you yeah. do a lot of college hockey too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so I, I'm actually the game one of the PWHL season. I was the analyst and not the play-by-play broadcaster. I noticed um, that. I thought that was funny. <laughs> I was like, "All right, she's like Andy Brickley. We gotta, you know, what's she gonna say here? What she got going on?" So it was good. Yeah, that I'll was, do play-by-play uh, later in the season, but like we kind of switch off. Yeah, that because I was gonna say you do play-by-play for college, so I figured like you could easily just do the play-by-play as well. So, yep. <laughs> uh, but you offer great, you were a great analyst too. You're a great analyst. Oh, thank you. Um, anyways, the Bruins though, uh, out West, they're on a little road trip. Uh, and that game against Arizona was like one gut punch after the other first, you know, Patra goes down, uh, then Omar goes down in overtime, Swayman thrust in, uh, you know, they lose, they end up losing Swayman faces one shot and obviously goes right in because the dude been sitting on the bench for, uh, like three or four hours. Um, this Omar injury. Now we're recording this on January 11th at one 30 in the afternoon. So the Bruins are not Eastern doing their mornings. Time. Exactly. We should preface it. Eastern time. They have not had their morning skate. They will not have it until, uh, I believe it was 1130 Pacific time, uh, yep. which is much later for us. We're recording this now. Um, we're going to go off the fact that that injury did not look good. Uh, Lena Solmark had to be helped off the ice, basically carried down the tunnel, um, was mm-hmm. down for a while. Um, I, it sounds like a dumb question, but this, this in it's, this is not good if he's out for quite a while. Well, so it kind of reminds me of, and I'm sure you've heard this and have, have had conversations on this podcast as well about like, should they trade a goalie? <laughs> like, should the Bruins trade a goalie? Like, We've oh, had that conversation a couple times. Yeah, you know, uh, you, and you hear it around town all the time, and you probably had a, a, those conversations at the bar with the drunk guy next to you as well. But um, Listen, listen, exact- listen, 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 <laughs> yeah. listen. Like, oh, you, you you're not going to win a cup with both. You need to go and get a number one Santa, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so here's the, the reason why you – Obviously, it's a huge luxury to have two essentially number one goaltenders, but it's this fail safe that's built into the Bruins where a lot of teams just don't have it. And the good news is that even though Allmark could be out for a while and that injury did not look good. And by the way, Brendan Bussey already got called up. So he flew from Providence to Las Vegas. So that's a good indication that Allmark is at least out for one game, maybe the rest of the road trip. Right. So we don't know how long term it could be. It, it didn't look good. But the fact that Jeremy Swayman is your your number two goalie or I mean, he really kind of your number one goalie. But but either way, um, the fact that you can have him right there ready to go uh, makes it not as scary as if this was a, if this was a Linus Allmark with Brendan Bussey as the backup rather than Jeremy Swayman as the other guy that comes off. And also, I'm sure you you probably watched Bruins preseason. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to see that one game that Brenda Bussey started mm-hmm. in preseason. He was phenomenal. And then that's yes. when I heard the conversation come back up like, oh, we don't need Allmark. Yes, one game. It was one game. <laughs> that just got the wheels turning on people. I also yep. loved, uh, do you remember, I think it was, was it last year? Or the year before, they traded Dan Vladar. He came in here with Calgary, beat the yeah. Bruins, and it was immediately like, oh, my God, they should have just done uh, Vladar and, and Swayman. This is ridiculous. Yep. Like the, There's the, a lot the, of Yeah. The one game stuff, is the overreaction is too much. I agree with you, though. 
You nailed it. I mean, this is why you don't trade a goalie. I mean, I, I, I've had this conversation with Felger. I had this conversation with pretty much every guest of like. I screamed this at Adam Jones last year at one point during the playoffs. <laughs> I can't imagine <laughs> like, it got through. I don't. Mind. He was like, "Who gave you a microphone?" I'm like, "I work here." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you know who I am? No, it's um, like, but- even if I don't have a microphone, I just yell at him in the hallway. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so that's the big thing. Is like. You look at uh, just obviously you want to have the tandem, right? I want to see this tandem in the playoffs. I want to see them try it. Give this a shot. You have two goalies on good contracts who are both top 10 goalies in the NHL. I want to see them both. But the real reason, the biggest reason, and you just hit on it, that you want to have two goalies is because if one gets hurt, you're not derailed. They're not derailed right now, right? Like, if Tuka Rask got hurt and Halak had to step in back in the day, or a couple years back, uh, Halak was good and could step in and, you know, play games here and there and take the load off Rask. But Halak, to my remembrance, never really was a guy that you could step put in there for a full, you know, bunch of games on end and have him succeed and be a, like, impromptu starting goalie. I remember in that series against Carolina when Rask left the bubble, Halak had a really tough time against Carolina in the rest of that series. And I think in this, A, I think Jeremy Swayman can step in, but B, we're also going to see what Swayman's got. Because you can correct me if I'm wrong, but we have not seen Swayman for an extended period of time as the starting goalie. We haven't even seen him, like we've seen Olmark in the playoffs go for, you know, multiple games in a row. We have not seen that yet with Swayman. So this is going to be a big test to see, like, can Swayman jump in and prove in this stretch that he can be the number one starter? Yeah, well, it's because that his the, the timing of him coming up coincided with the Bruins having multiple good goalies, right? When he first yes. came up, Tuca was still there, then Olmark. So um, he's always split time. And you're like... His he's never had a full workload um, the same way like Connor Hellebuck has. Um, yes, like he's correct. not been like the the guy, um, and he's always been the younger goalie. So he's kind of been growing and learning. And this year, I think you could see the confidence is there, and I feel like he's gotten better each year. So um, it's not that I don't think he can handle the workload. I think that the Bruins, because over the last two seasons they've had this back and forth almost 50 50 split of the net um he hasn't gotten the prep necessarily to have this workload but it's not that he can't handle it um will brennan bussy have to come in and play like 40 percent of the games or 30 percent of the games if all mark is out long term yes um yes, it's not like 100%. they're just gonna keep brennan bussy on the bench um and i was going through the schedule because we were talking about this on my podcast the skate pod and we we're talking about Okay, we're looking through the schedule. All right, are you are you comfortable playing Brendan Bussey against New Jersey? Are you comfortable playing Brendan Bussey against Colorado? Like we're like looking through the schedule, and I'm like, there's too many good teams in a row here that you're gonna play, but Brendan Bussey is probably gonna get in there for one of them. So, um, and I know we're kind of burying the lead, or I guess we're kind of talking in the assumption that um, Olmark is out long term, which we don't know for sure yet but um based on how he went off the ice it was i mean it kind of looked like maybe a groin injury uh definitely awkward and the fact that he wasn't striding his legs at all um was the concerning part to me um 
Currently, I saw, I, I was looking this up this morning. It's currently, he's listed as day-to-day, but um, yeah. that's just because they haven't had a chance to officially update uh, anything. It's supposed to come later on today. I haven't seen any Twitter doctors uh, chime in on what they think this is. Usually the Twitter doctors You're are right. always like, when football, when someone like cracks their leg in half, you'll see like a, someone who's like a doctor be like, I think they broke their leg. It's like, oh, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. But I haven't seen anything, anybody weigh in on this. So I, maybe you have. Yeah. I haven't. So I don't know. Like I'm not a, you know, unfortunately, Bridget, I don't, I, I don't know what you studied at UMass, but I did not study the human I body. I assume like, we probably have very similar Degrees. Yes, I would assume we do too. We didn't take yeah. any uh, any like you know uh, classes that would help us diagnose injuries. In reality, those no. sports journalism classes, there should be some sort of class that teaches you about injuries and stuff because you gotta maybe we could identify them. You know, like oh that's clearly an ACL or oh that's a groin. And <laughs> we got to go back to UMass and we got to start that uh, course. That, we'll teach that course, except for we would need a real doctor to be um, also part of our crew. Uh, we would. Because we're not qualified. <laughs> At all. Not even close. No, no. I have a business degree from Eisenberg and uh, my second major was journalism. So You did both? Yeah. That's a that's a grind, but that's awesome. Hell yeah. I did yeah. not. I, I graduated in three years too. Oh my God. You're, you're like freaking Einstein over there. No, Jesus. no. I just, I don't know. I didn't have the best like college experience I, I was ready to get out of there i know you probably <laughs> liked it more than i did but i was i i was kind of just ready to get out well good for you that it's clearly worked out so uh, i'm happy to see <laughs> that uh the Olmark thing though I, there's one thing we haven't touched on yet that i think actually might be the most important thing with this whatever happens with linus Olmark. there's one thing i think that is clearly most important uh but before we get to that a quick word from our friends over at FanDuel. the nfl season is wrapping up and there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. Now, the app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800 327 
5050 or 24 7 support in Massachusetts or call 1 877 8 Hope NY or text Hope NY in New York. Thank you, Gary. Yes, thank you, Gary Tangway. <laughs> melodic voice, incredible voice. Um, and then the Hello Fresh commercial comes on with me in it, and it's like you know my voice. It's like ah, eh, this doesn't it doesn't hit the same. Do you need um, a voiceover? I'll if you need a female voiceover, I got you. We'll take it. We'll take it. I'll take that over <laughs> mine. I'll take that over mine for sure. Um, anyways, uh, the biggest thing to me with this with Omar, whatever happens, whether he's back uh, at, after the Vegas game for St. Louis, whether he's out for an extended period of time. My worry is that this becomes a lingering injury, whether it's his groin, whether it's something in his legs, you know, again, it's just speculation is that this lingers. And even when he comes back, it's not fully healed. It's not like this is like a, this sounds dumb, but like a broken arm heals. And then you can, you know, you're good after that. This obviously is probably different. And my worry is that down the stretch, this hampers him. And obviously you have Swayman there, to help out but you know you do need both goalies fully healthy to recognize this tandem potential fully and that's my biggest worry is that this becomes a lingering thing for Lena Solmark and that again down the stretch it's it's hurting him yeah I think that that pretty much what you're saying means that medical staff is more than likely going to be very conservative in yes. the time frame to get him back in because you don't want him immediately going and tweaking it again when he comes back. You don't want him playing at 80%. You don't like you you need to know he has enough time to heal um given if there's enough time in the season for him to complete that recovery process. Uh cuz I'm sure Bruins fans think back to the end of last year where he was reportedly not playing at his 100% um I, I even asked him about it on breakup day and he said it wasn't anything worse than stuff he's dealt with in the past, but he was not a hundred percent. And I think after seeing Tuka play in the playoffs at not a hundred percent and only yep. that's the big one percent, then fans are probably saying, take your time, heal it. Right. Um, and really it, it does fall on the goalie to give an accurate, representation of where they feel like they're at because at the end of the day the doctors can look at your scans and and they can know the the recovery time but they have to be honest and say, and really say whether they're 100% or not because everybody wants to play I understand that everybody's going to say yes I'm ready to go but you need to be able to give your team the best chance of winning and uh, sometimes it's a fine line between I'm good enough to play but not a hundred percent ready to, like to play my best. Um, Bruins fans have seen that in the past in the playoffs and it, it still haunts most of the fan base. Well, the problem is that again, they're not honest about it. No one ever yeah. is. No one ever will be. And it's also tough. Like the hundred percent, no one's a hundred percent by the playoffs. Like that's no. one of the other tough things, but I agree with you to, to get yourself as close to hundred percent as possible for the playoffs should be the first priority. The other thing is like, I, it's like with Olmark, they're not going to be honest. That's like, I, to me, that's the toughest part. At least, in, not, I don't mean to sound like they're lying, but they want to play. There's a, there's a lore of, 
oh my God, so-and-so played through these injuries. You can't really do that as a goalie, right? Like if you're the second line, no, if you're the second line center, you can do that, right? You can play through a bruised this and a a sprained that, like you can do that. Who is that? Or if you're Patrice Bergeron, like I was going to say, yeah, like, punctured lung. <laughs> so that's what I was thinking. But that's a little extreme. So I don't want to go that. It's far. very extreme. Very extreme. Um, but goaltending, you, you don't want to be. You can't. You cannot be in that position. You got to go with the healthiest guy. And that's one thing that the Bruins have fallen victim to under Cassidy and under Jim Montgomery last year, where they went with the guy who was better in the regular season and maybe better overall, but not the most healthy. And I think. Um, you don't want that to be created again where you're going to the playoffs and Olmark is at, you know, 55, 60% and Swayman's at like, you know, 85, 90% and they're considering Olmark in that situation. Well, so yeah, my hope is that this doesn't top linger. five goalies in the league. If one's not, if one's healthy and the other one's not, it should be an easy decision. You're right. It should be a very easy decision. That's why I hope it continues. I hope it is. I hope that they uh, stick with that and they don't, because again, if you go into the playoffs, and you want to use the tandem, right? Because I think we're both on the same page. Use the tandem. You know, give it a, give it a shot. Um, Andrew Raycroft, be... not on our page, but... <laughs> well, I'm not <laughs> surprised. Every time I talk to Andrew Raycroft, he's always just like, this is stupid. There's no goalie rotations in the playoffs. This is dumb. I'm like, I know there hasn't been in the past. And obviously, he's the goalie. So we we respect his opinion on that. But yes. The ta- like. Just because it hasn't been done doesn't mean it can't be done. So, well, it, someone it's got to start somewhere, and you yeah. have two top five goalies who actually mm-hmm. like each other. This isn't like they're rivals. Yeah. Like they, they, the situation seems pretty conducive for this to work. And if it doesn't yeah. work, then you tried it, right? Like you didn't try it last year. You were out in the first round. If you try, if you try it this year and you're out in the first round again, well. Then you tried both things. And again, I'm not making excuses for them because God knows when they do lose in the first round this year, we're going to be ripping them. But to me, I just like use it. And I get Raycroft's view. I know there's a lot of uh, hockey guys and and gals who are against it. I get it because it's not inherent. It's not what people know. It's not... The, the typical thing, but sometimes you do have to go against the grain. If it's uh, been your advantage in the regular season, then it could be your advantage in the postseason. And that way, when you are switching goaltenders, it's not a mental, like it's not a psychological thing. Like, Oh, I played bad. I'm coming out. It's like, no, that's, it was scheduled that way. You know, you don't, you're not losing confidence yes. from, from changing guys. Whereas, you know, Swayman's coming in after in last playoffs coming in cold, not playing the, first part of the series besides like five minutes after Olmark got in a fight that one game that's right um, I forgot about that oh so my god those were the he days he really hadn't played at all and then you put him in a really tough situation in game seven and it once again that that psychologically affects goalies but if you if they're happy with the rotation then coming out doesn't feel as um you know deflating as like it's not like a it's not a statement about you playing poorly. It's this is just how we're doing it. So, but also there, if someone's hot, you want to ride them. It's it's definitely a weird line. And uh, poor goalie Bob, Bob Asenza, the Bruins goalie coach. I feel like Montgomery threw him under the bus last year with some of the yes. comments like, oh, well, we listened to him. It's like, you're the head coach. You probably should have also thought about it. Um, but I understand they trust Bob Asenza a lot. So they put a lot of weight in 
what his decision would be. <laughs> it's it's yes. something. And that, that makes sense. Like yeah. goalie Bob's around forever. He, he clearly knows what he's doing and has a finger on the pulse. Goalie um, Bob may be the best goalie coach in the world. Like he, he's very well liked and respected and he handles a lot of prospects like from young prospects to, you know, Jordan Bennington as the trophy winners. <laughs> Um, anyways, uh, I want to touch on this a little bit more but before we do that, uh, a quick word from our friends over at HelloFresh. Good job, Evan. That was, that was well done. The, you you, might, phenomenal, you might have a career yeah. in it. <laughs> I, I think voiceover acting is my next, uh, frontier I need to conquer. I'm done with hockey. I'm done with, with sports in general. I'm going on to voice acting. I think I did have one. Thing. I have had to do one voiceover for a commercial, uh, in a previous job. And it was just, it was so weird to me. <laughs> it is the, odd. The script was so weird. It was for, so I used to live in North Carolina. It was for a wake forest, uh, app, which is wake forest is a college. And like one of the lines I, yes. is like, if you want to like, if you're looking to punch a kitten or something, I'm like, I'm not saying that. And they're like, we're it's paying an odd, to say that. Bad and I'm copy. like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to say this. That's a weird, it is weird getting copy uh, you have to read and it's like, oh, this doesn't sound like me or, oh, this is odd, but you read it. HelloFresh has good one and FanDuel has good ones. So I, I, I'm fine with those, but there've been ones in the past where I'm like, what, what am I reading here? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But anyways, yes. So it's interesting. I we were mentioning the goalie tandem, and you do worry that if this lingers, and you know, as I said, if Olmark is at 60, 65% and Swayman's much higher, in that case, you you know, maybe you bring in Olmark for a game or two here or there in the playoffs, but you pretty much stick with Swayman if he continues to have um those injury troubles, which hits at a bigger thing. And I think I'm curious if we start to see rumblings of this anywhere. Uh, or like kind of like podcast topics because it's a pretty good one we've talked a lot about and we mentioned it earlier uh about trading one of the goalies uh to, to get something now let's flip that on its head uh if swayman and but and and um and bussy you know don't work out the way that we think they will and then you know if D, if dipietro came up and and he didn't work or something would you consider trading for a goalie. If this is, if again, if this is long term for Lena Solmark, would you consider trading for? You mean like this deadline, or do you mean like off season? Uh, I'll say this season, like deadline type thing. Would you trade oh. for a depth goalie? No. <laughs> Agreed. No. There's no reason. No. I, I'm shooting down my own point, but no, there's no reason. It's, to. This would be more. This would, it's a great topic for people who want to be who are fine being on the wrong side of <laughs> the stupid <laughs> side and arguing that side, but um, no, it's. I mean, think about the needs that they have. Um, you're you're in need of a top six forward or at least a middle six forward um, as your bigger priority. If Swayman gets hurt, then, you know, we might be having a different conversation. If both your well, top three yeah. players are hurt. And at that point in time, are you even buyers at, at the deadline? Like, what what are your real hopes of winning a Stanley Cup if both your top two goalies are are gone uh, if they're both injured, which let's not, let's knock on some wood. And I was going to say, so people are going to be angry that you put that into the universe. But I also, again, I also just go back to like, you mentioned their, their bigger needs, a B you don't want to keep giving up future assets. And if you're going to go, if you were, and I'm getting, we're just shooting this down. Cause I think we're going to start to see people uh, on social media and in other kind of avenues mentioning this. Uh, if to get a goalie at the deadline, you're going to have to give up a lot. 
Because there are a lot of other teams that are in way worse situations that do need a goalie who are going to yeah. be in a better position to give things up. So you don't want to give it up on an area that it's, you know you don't need. You, you Even in a situation where Swain and then what do you even do with that goalie? Like, they'd have to be a rental. It's like, it's, that's the what thing. do you even do with that goalie? I, that's exactly it. So to me, uh, I, I'm curious if people do think it, because I did see one article somewhere today, I forget where it was, uh, kind of posing the question, and I was like, "Oh my god, I wouldn't go there." But so we're we're, we're doing is we're kind of just like shooting it down, you know. We're just yeah, like before it gets started, we're anticipating it yeah. becoming a topic, and we're saying, "No, we're not. We're not doing that." That's what we're doing. <laughs> no, because guess what? The Bruins are one of the teams that have the luxury of having internal solutions rather than needing to go out and get one externally. So you have Jeremy Swayman as the number one external uh, internal solution. And Brendan Bussey could be a good goalie as well. He's coming out of college. He's so far in Providence, had a really good career in the AHL. Um, and in the time we saw him in the preseason, he made some highlight reel saves that um, even NHL goalies wouldn't have made a few of them. So uh, I think Bussey is a good internal solution for the backup. Um, give him a chance. I'm always excited to see the call-ups as well. I don't know if you're, you probably like that too, because you, you're, you know, you cover college hockey, you cover prospects. I love to see people get a chance, especially if they've earned it. And Brendan Busty feels like someone that would be fun to watch play. So um, I think he could add a little bit of entertainment, hopefully um, for Bruins fans. He, he gives them something to cheer about uh, and, and the conversations go away. Because if he plays well in the games that he comes in, then those conversations probably die out on, that you're mentioning, Evan. Like, there's no need to even have those conversations. Well, that's the thing. And I, I the other thing is, like, I know Bussy struggled a little bit in Providence this year. And I know DiPietro yeah. is, like, top 20 in some of those big goalie stats. Yeah, like, DiPietro's numbers are better than Bussy's this year. Yes. Yeah, so I am curious. But again, I, I agree. Bussy gets the first crack at being the backup uh, temporarily. So I, I'm fine with that. And, and DPHO has played a few NHL games, but it's not a lot. Yeah. So again, I, like I'm fine with what they're doing. And I think they have the, as you said, they have the things internally. And the biggest thing, I want to see Swayman as the number one guy. I want to see it. And I, we mentioned it earlier. I want to see how he takes the reins on this, how they use him, how he does if he has to play three or four games in a row. Because, um, again, like, I always go back to, like, his time at Maine. Like, he was peppered all the time. Oh, uh, they they used him in every game. I know college schedules are so much different. But still, I do think Swayman's personality, his makeup, his style is suited to play a lot. So I am fascinated with these next couple he's, of games and this next stretch to see him sort of take ownership of the net. He's a competitor. So he yeah. has it built into him to to step up um, and handle whatever workload he's going to need. He's Mike Richter Award winner for best goalie. That's right. Um, I forgot he won that. Yeah, he won, he won that. I mean, he was really a steal for the Bruins. He was a late-round draft pick. They drafted him before he started his college career and, and you know, having success in college because by the time he left college, you'd be like, wow, that's a great goalie. We you know, But at the time – that Swayman was drafted, it, there was a lot less known about him. He's kind of a diamond in the rough that they, that they drafted, I think, in the fourth or fifth round. Uh, I think and he was fourth. Yeah, he's and he's I like the ideal situation where you you go and you draft a, a late round goalie and uh, just to take a flyer, and he ends up 
going on to college and being the best goalie in college at the time. And then he comes and now he could be your, your starter of the future, because I think most people would agree. He seems to be the, the long-term plan as the Bruins starter, but he's in a weird contract situation. Evan, you know, this, uh, I don't know if you heard his comments right after he dealt with his, uh, he was in restricted free agency in the off season and mm-hmm. The contract negotiations were he he hated it. He yeah he I was mean, not like, happy. He was no, like openly not happy. You're like he's coming in saying this is my value, and then your employer is saying, no, you don't. You're not worth that much. So like, I love the idea of arbitration. Like I love the idea of arbitration. It's terrible. It's like that feels like crap. Like they're like, no, no, you're worth over a million dollars less than what you think you're worth. It's like no guys, uh, and I mean, Swayman's so good. Like obviously. He deserves more than the offer they were giving him. So that the arbitration process was a painful process for him. And he said he will never do it again. So that means he would more than likely need to be extended before the end of the season uh, because he only signed a one-year deal because if it was any longer than that, he would he would be an unrestricted free agent. But because it was just the one year, he once again would go back into restricted free agency this offseason. And he doesn't want to deal with arbitration. <laughs> so, I mean, I agree. Him, you, I mean, there's been no talks of the DeBrusque extension, by the way, either. None. Like, that is, that is something that has been kind of under the radar this whole season, but he's at the last year of his contract. Um, yeah. Like yeah. I said, Swayman becomes a restricted free agent at the end of the year. So, like, those two extensions would be pretty important to get done at some point before um, free agency opens. Obviously, that's a while away. But uh, no, but also to get, I mean, especially with DeBrus, to get that done before the trade deadline. I think that's like Swayman, whatever, he's an RFA. You can do that when you do that. But like DeBrusque, I think, is the huge one in terms mm-hmm. of do you you know, do you trade him before then and get something for him, but you sell pretty low on him? Do you wait it out and and keep him through the deadline and see what he gives you and then let him hit unrestricted free agency? Or do you extend him now and maybe do it a little bit cheaper than you would if he was succeeding, but you're also, that's a big bet on someone who's been very inconsistent. That's a very hard situation for them that they're in in terms of that because I don't think there's a clear answer. My guess is if I had to, if I was a betting man, if I was guessing, they hold on to him as sort of like you know, he's a rely, he's a fairly reliable top six winger. We'll see what we get, and then when unrestricted free agency hits, if they're you know, if they can come to an agreement, great. If they can't, then he's gone. But I, to me, that I think they're gonna go the Krug route but they're going to give him some offer at the end. Whereas with Krug, they, they pulled the offer. So that would be yeah. my guess. I didn't, I didn't like the Krug route uh, just for the record. <laughs> that, was, that was a whole, that was a whole nother contract negotiation situation. That was unnecessary, but a shebang. Um, yeah. But for, in terms of the I agree. I think he's going to be with the team to the, to the end of the year. He's not getting traded at the deadline. Um, I mentioned before your needs are, a top six winger. Why would you trade a top six winger? Like what would you be getting in return? Another top six winger? Like it's you're trading one thing for the other or for the same thing. So that doesn't really solve your problems. And I know people can come and say, Oh, well they can get someone that's more consistent for Jake DeBrus. Well, if you don't like the player, then do you think the team that the Bruins are trading him to are going to be like, yeah, here, have a better winger. We're going to give you our better winger than Jake DeBrus. Like, so it just doesn't work like that. Um, 
and you know what? I think he's been uh, – the numbers obviously aren't as good for him this season as they should be, but the play hasn't been bad. So No, it hasn't. It hasn't. And his his upside is that if he if he hit, gets hot at the right time, he he's hot and he you know he's gone on hot streaks in the playoffs. You, I mean, I know that this is uh, wishful thinking and like okay, you got to hope for him to be in that hot streak rather than a slump at the time. But he has a higher ceiling and and higher potential than the numbers he's been putting up right now. So if he can come out of it, then you know just be patient and and also he's a good penalty killer. Um, he's, he, I mean, I, I've, his effort has been there. He's getting shots on goal. Um, it's just, they're not, they have recently, they have been going in more and and the points are coming up, but there was a a stretch there where, um, just wasn't falling for him, but kind of snake bitten. Would you sign him long-term to a deal over 5 million per? Like how long do you mean? Like. Three years, four, like, what are we? Uh, I mean, I'm guessing he wants a long-term deal. So let's say five or six years. Yeah, would he you do probably that? does want, I would guess he probably would be pushing for like five. Um, I mean, you could make it, I mean, going into this year, coming off of last year, I would have expected the number to be higher than five million per year. So I'm even, I'm even going off of this. Like to me, like it's, he's such a weird case because he has that 30 goal potential, but he's so inconsistent when it comes to production. That if you're going to pay five, five and a half, even six long term for someone like that, I know the cap's going to go up, but that's a worry. Like, that's where I'm like, "Mm, maybe you do try to replace him either in free agency or you, you know, find the next guy somehow, whether it be through trade. I know that's harder, but, you know, if you're going to commit that money, that's a lot of money for that. Yeah, but... If if it's five like if it's five million, he's currently already on a four million a year contract. Like I feel like five million you can do. Um, yeah, five million sure, but f- when it starts pushing six, up, I think is upwards when you... of six. I don't think that that's a great idea. Um, and also, he hasn't made a great case for himself this season. He had an ability this year in a contract year to run the price up, and that's not Correct. what's happened. So the Bruins are. I mean, if they were intending on extending him all along you know, you don't like that his numbers aren't as good, but you're potentially going to get a better deal out of it. If you are, if you have faith in the player that the player over the next say five seasons, if that's what, what they agree on is going to play up to or better than a $5 million a year contract. And by the way, usually the longer term deals, when you, when you look at them at the end of the contract, you're like, that was actually a steal because it seems high in the first year or two. But then you look back in year five and you're like, oh, wow, we have this person for way less than some other wingers that are comparable or lesser than our winger. Like even the Pasternak deal we could look back on. It's a huge number, obviously. But at the end of that deal, we could be you could be thinking, oh, yeah, he's easily worth that. Like that's because other other guys will have signed new contracts that are going to be higher. And you're, you're going to be like, that's a, that's a good deal. <laughs> Yeah, and the cap's going to go up. And I mean, look at, you know, you can look at Crosby and Ovechkin's number. I know Crosby always wanted to make $8.7 because it's his number. But, like, a lot of guys, like, those contracts that were huge at the time, as time goes along, you look back and, like, ah, when, when, you know, it's the end of the deal on the the cap, it doesn't look as bad. But you don't want to be hampered down by that. I think that's the biggest thing. By the way, 
not to change subjects quickly, um, but to change subjects quickly, uh, you know whose contract looks pretty damn good right now? Charlie Coyle. That number Charlie looks Coyle. real good for what, uh, and you know, again, I know that the production has been spotty in the last couple of years, but for what you've asked of him this year, for what you've needed out of him, what he's been able to contribute at $5.25 million per um, is pretty damn good. And I, I know that uh, I feel like he's universally liked right now because well, the, he's, the great he, two-way play pairs great with the points. He's he's a likable person. Uh, not well, that's just, a big part of it. Yeah, he's just, <laughs> yes. he's just like so nice. It's kind of crazy and he's local. And um, he just has such a great attitude. And, and that's why you see him be able to adapt and take on this um, – top center role or, or, you know, top two center role with the Bruins, depending on what line you want to call the first line. Um, I guess right now it's that Zaka geeky Pasternak line. Um, but obviously a line with Marshawn on it kind of also feels like a first line. So um, no, Charlie Coyle, think about what they gave up to get him. Like Ryan Donato. It, it, That's right. It, it goes down as a, one of those great moves made by Don Sweeney because um, he, he fits the Bruins character for sure. They needed a center. He's a big body. He kills penalties so well. He's an all around good player. Um, happy to see that he, because there, there were some people that were a little bit harsh on him last year. Oh, can he be a, a number one or number two center? Cause you know, he had been the number three center here in Boston. A lot of people were skeptical. Maybe he couldn't, but he's shown this season that, he has a skill set to do it, and um, I think he's he's had some really good stretches this year. Um, and, and you know what else was a, a good signing center-wise, which even though now he's playing as a wing currently, Pavel Zaka <laughs> was, it, yeah, it was another agree. sneaky good move by Don Sweeney to just trade Eric Halla, a guy that didn't necessarily have the perfect fit in Boston, for Pavel Zaka, who didn't have the perfect fit in New Jersey. And they both get new fresh slates. And Pablo Zaka has been great. He's been a top six player for you since you got him. And I also think when it comes time for the playoffs, I've liked Zaka on the wing. I know he was great last year on the wing at times. I still think, though, when it comes to the playoffs, you do need Zaka coil down the middle. Um, I know Geeky's fit in great. So, again, that could change. I'm that coming change. around on Geeky. I'm, like, really coming no, around. No, I on... am, too. I am, yeah. too. I'm just – I'm not quite there yet in terms of I, – I think I'd rather Zaka down the middle. The other thing is, you know, when it comes to the playoffs and things get more physical and, uh, you know, it's more matchup based do you move geeky back to be on the right side of patra as sort of a bigger body who fits there i don't know it's something to think about but zaka's worked on both the wing and center so again it goes back to what you said you can't be angry at it it's been a good signing and he's given you value yeah and he's he does a few things that other other players on that line you know whether it be a winger or center uh don't do which is he's he's a big body he can't be moved off the puck very uh easily and also something that you notice more and more the the longer that line is together is he just knows that Pasternak is such a great playmaker and so is Zaka that if he just gets enough space if he gets open enough Pasta will make the pass and will make the play and he'll just have an easy tap and goal like if he's just if he's open he's playing with two guys that can get him the puck so he's been the beneficiary of playing on a line with really high skilled, uh, talented players. And 
one of the observations I've had recently is that he's sneaky smart. Like his Did intelligence. You? Yes. Yeah. I, I think I'm starting to think that just let's kind of getting a chance to talk to him after the game as well as kind of how he conducts himself during the game, that he's actually a very intelligent person. And that helps when he's adapting to situations where he's moving from wing to center and um, learning how to play with new line mates in a, on a completely different team that he played for. Um, I, I'm starting to see that he is a very smart hockey player as well as just a smart person. The high hockey IQ, it never hurts. And when you're up in the top six, it's a good thing. Um, Anyways, Bridget, this has been a blast. I'm very happy that uh, we finally had you on and you will certainly be on again. Uh, Before you go, what can people look forward to from you? What they should be, what should they be on the lookout for? So um, next thing, next big thing is I'll be broadcasting the women's bean pot. So um, that'll be fun. Yep. I've been meet- in meetings all week and uh, I have a coach's interview after this, but yeah, women's bean pot on Nesson January 16th and then January 23rd at TD garden. So that'll be my first ever broadcast um, at an NHL rank. It's the first time the women have been playing the championship game at TD garden. So um, I'm a little bit excited and nervous at the same time for that. We have a great crew. Um, so Sophia Yerkskovich is going to host our intermission. Uh, and then oh, that's I'm- awesome. I'm doing play-by-play. My broadcast partner is uh, Sunny Watrous, and then Natalie Norrie is ringside. If anybody's heard of any of them, they probably know that those are all really <laughs> um, qualified, talented women that we're having in an all-female broadcast. It's going to be it, – it's something we're all looking forward to a lot. So That'll be awesome, and you'll be the leader doing play-by-play. So uh, Don't say we'll it like that, Evan. That's going to put the pressure back on. No, we're putting the pressure – oh, are you kidding me? We're going to put so much pressure on you. Oh, my God. <laughs> No, I'm just one of the. I'm just one of the team. That is. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll tweet. We'll tweet clips of like of like like there'll be like a second of dead air. I'm like, why was there dead air? What yeah, you should be talking right hell? now? Come on. Yeah. Um, no, people, but no, people. I'm excited for it. I've seen comments from our first um, PWHL broadcast, and I'm like starting to realize. Uh, okay, well, I've taken this like step up in my career <laughs> that like I'm getting more exposure, but it comes with more. Comments. <laughs> yeah, don't look at the comments. YouTube, Sometimes I'll, yeah, don't read yeah. the YouTube comments. No, don't. no, never do that. Sometimes I'll look at the ones on these, and they're you like, I I actually have very nice listeners, and they're like ninety per, ninety ninety five percent of the comments are like very positive, or it'll be like just Bruins points, and I I'll mm-hmm. read through those, but then there'll be one that'll be like you know Evan does this and I can't stand it, or this or oh. that, or Connor this, and I'm like. Ah, I wish I did. Like it's like then I notice that I do those things. It's like mm-hmm. they're right, you know. So try I to stay always away get from comments on our YouTube. Uh, you say the word like too much. You sound like a a daughter that's trying to get away with something. Like I, it's I don't even specific. know where they come up with this. But... <laughs> it's, put that time into other things if yeah, you're them. Please, like you can please. come on. Luckily, I I feel like a lot of it. A lot of the stuff we heard after our first broadcast was positive. That's <laughs> a good thing. Listen, yeah, that Jimmy matters Murphy, more. Yeah, Jimmy Murphy sent me a clip of Pierre Maguire talking about me, which was really weird. Because <laughs> you grow up watching Pierre Maguire cover hockey. And I was like, I didn't think you would ever know who I was. But <laughs> it's just weird. And also really weird to think that, like, Billie Jean King knows who I am. Which that is, is so a crazy. Odd. That's wild. That <laughs> Never is thought hilarious. That would be a thing. So. But it's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're excited for that. And then Skate Podcast, that comes out how many times a week for people Usually to go listen three. to that? 
Yeah, we usually three. try to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but obviously schedule dependent on the Bruins. And yeah, they're on tonight at 10, which is going to be difficult. <laughs> that's, that's a late one. It is. It is. So I, I agree. But uh, anyways, that's Bridget. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins Beat listeners have a great rest of your week. Tina.